imagine you're on a shift and a 23-year-old is brought in with sudden chest pain. And ECG shows an ST elevated MI for the doctors. You load the patient with all the medications you require him to take. And you're talking to him and ready to wheel him urgently to the cath lab for an angiography and stent. But he's got other plans. He goes into arrest in front of you and your team and you jump to start CPR. It takes about 10 minutes to get his pulse back. You put him on a ventilator and shift him to the cath lab. The cardiology team places tents to get his blood flowing through the coronaries of his heart. But the damage has been done and he succumbs a few hours later. 23 years old. Now visualize this. You're, you're talking to your friend standing outside your society gate and suddenly he collapses. You call for help. It takes about 15 minutes to get him to the emergency department. No bystander CPR is provided. The ED team does everything possible but cannot bring him back and he is declared broad dead. 35 years old. Another one. Now you're an emergency physician on shift and you receive an ambulance call for a 27 year old with chest pain. You rush your ambulance and bring him to your department. Again, the ECG shows a heart attack and you shift him to your cath lab after loading him. He is stented and gets much better and is discharged after a few days. But 27 years old. Again, you're on shift and you get a 32 year old brought in, collapsed, unresponsive. He was at a meeting and he just collapsed in front of everybody and no bystander CPR was given. But he was a post-cardiac surgery patient. He had had a bypass at the age of 28, but he was declared broad dead. Now, these are real life experiences that have taken place. And these are the examples that I'm giving you. They have one obvious thing in common. They are all young. But another thing in common is that they did not have any previous illnesses, except for one. Or that is what their families and they would have thought that they were all young and they were fit and they had no other issues in life. Now I've spoken about the young adult epidemic in a previous episode and today I bring to you part two of the same. None of these patients ever got health checkups done and all of them had poor diets when we found out. Like the other at least 90% of the population in their age group. So I've been talking about this for a long time. There is a young adult epidemic going on. 20 to 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds are just collapsing or having heart attacks, strokes, or pulmonary embolisms. And it's all because of the diets that we've been having for the past 20, 30, 40 years. Our ancestors did not have the diet we have been con consuming for the past 30 to 40 years. Even our parents did not grow up on the diet we grew up on. But you can change. I changed. I was starting to develop a metabolic disorder last year. My triglycerides and LDL cholesterols were off the charts. And now for the past six to seven months, all normal. In fact, when my chronological age was 38, my metabolic age was 44. Now when I'm 39, that's my age. A year from then, my metabolic age is 36 and I'm 20 kgs lighter. I've been working out since 15 years, but no one ever gave me sound diet advice. It was always like you work out, you need to pump in calories. But like my idol, Dr. Robert says, a calorie is not just a calorie. 
it all depends on where you get the calorie from and what happens to it in the body. Some say I have reversed aging, <laughs> but a lot of research, determination, motivation, a lot of thought behind what I was eating and my wife putting up with my demands had gone into it. And in this process, she lost 12 kgs too. Now you may be wondering what the hell is a metabolic syndrome? Let me simplify it for you. It's basically a group of non-communicable chronic disorders that includes diabetes, hypertension, heart diseases, etc. They're all caused due to abnormal metabolism in the different cells, in the different organs of our bodies. And these have been on the rise to affect the health of young adults because our diets have an effect on our cells and a cell is the building block of life. We all have cells which need to burn energy, which is glucose. The liver and the adipose tissue, which are fats, which are basically fat tissues, need insulin, which is released by the pancreas, to open the door of the cell, to let all of this glucose enter, and then they get burned to provide energy. But again, if there is too much glucose, then the cells will turn those glucose to fats, which destroys and hampers your metabolic pathways, leading to metabolic disorders. So in short, too much of sugar is bad for you. You've all heard it. The point is, everything that you eat has sugar in some form or the other. And our diets have been far from nutritious. Even normal weight people can have these disorders. Now, talking about sugars, listen to this. There is something called a Maillard reaction or caramelization. Like when you see when you're making caramel out of sugar, it, it browns up. This is a normal process which happens in our body. It is the process of aging. Wrinkles and cataracts occur due to this reaction. But everyone ages. No one can stop that. But the point is, how fast do you want to age? Glucose is what drives this reaction. And fructose speeds up this process seven times. And the breakdown products of fructose speeds it up 250 times. So the next time you see a 45 or a 50-year-old with wrinkly skin and cataracts, ask them their diet. I'm sure none of the listeners want to age quickly. Now, sugars, and especially fructose, the bad sugar, they're found in everything that's processed, packaged, or refined. Fructose, corn, corn syrup, you know, corn-fed uh, animals, uh, refined flowers. They, they all have, you know, uh, no pathways in the body. They all go to the liver, cause insulin resistance, convert into fats and cover your organs, which are called visceral fats. I'll give you an example. There's this really uh, famous brand of apple juice, ends with Y. The ingredients are water, sugar, and 2% apple concentrate. A very famous orange juice, which is marketed as water, sugar, and orange juice concentrate of 12%. So this is 12% orange in it. And the rest is all water and sugar, and that sugar is all fructose. The other day, one of my friends, uh, she sent me some photographs of some sugar-free ice creams that she wanted. It was a low-calorie ice cream, and it said that it had no added sugar, but it had water, mango pulp, fructooligosaccharides, maltolol, and polydextrose. They're all artificial sugars. They may be complex carbohydrates. That is what the brands would you know, claim, but they're going to... Make sure that your pancreas releases insulin and that insulin cannot do anything to these artificial chemicals. 
So you end up having insulin resistance, which leads to metabolic disorders and diabetes and obesity. Another one was from a creamery. She sent me another one. Again, it had all chemicals like maltolol and fructooligosaccharides, right? Nothing natural about them. They make your sugar spike. They make your insulin spikes. Leads to resistance, diabetes, metabolic syndromes. Another butter, which I put on my Instagram recently, uh, it's endorsed by a celebrity chef. And uh, when you take a look at it, it's full of vegetable oils. And they're also refined vegetable oils. You know, palm kernel, uh, sunflower, salt, preservatives, linseed oil, a lot of that. You know, even fruits are full of fructose. But then again, there are loads of fiber, fiber in them. Fiber is what you need to avoid the fructose being absorbed in your blood. If you have the fruits full, the fiber will not let the fructose reach your liver. If you juice them, even if you're having it with the pulp, the juicing process basically breaks the structure of the fiber and the point of having that fiber is lost. You may not know this, but there are more than 300 and different chemical names for sugar, which are used by industries and people who are selling a lot of uh, processed foods. And uh, that's how they get away with it. Not that it's helping us. So what should you eat? Have a lot of fiber foods with high fibers. They're basically prebiotics. Uh, there are two types of fibers, soluble and insoluble. They make a mesh in your GI tract. And, uh, you know, uh, they prevent the fructose from getting absorbed into your blood sugars. Till you don't have these prebiotics properly, there won't be any use of the probiotics that you have, which are the good bacterias. The good bacterias basically need... Uh, the, the right pH in your GI tract to, to grow and to help you. But that pH is basically provided by prebiotics. And because of the processed foods that we've had, the, our, our, our GI tract uh, uh, microbiology and the microbiome has taken a beating, right? Have fruits with fiber, eat them as whole. You can have a lot of jowar and ragi and baja. They're full of fibers. Have foods which have very high omega-3 uh, uh, fatty acids. These are anti-inflammatories and antioxidants, and they're good for the brain. And omega-3s are found in seafood, eggs, poultry, red meat. And another thing which is very, very common in these uh, uh, food items is tryptophan, which is a very, very rare essential amino acid and is used by the body to convert into serotonin. So... People who basically are not taking seafoods, eggs, poultry, or meats uh, are, are actually essentially deficient in tryptophan. Nutrient-dense foods like meat and poultry and seafood and dairy and eggs are really important. You know, uh, for, for lower calories, you get maximum macros and micros. I'm not saying that you can't have vegetarian food, but then I'll give you an example of how much vegetarian food you'll have to eat. 100 grams of goat meat has about 27 grams of protein and 143 calories. And 100 grams of lentils has only 9 grams of protein and 3 times the carbohydrate. So about 27 grams of carbs. So to get 27 grams of protein from lentils, you'll actually be consuming 348 calories of lentils and another 81 grams of carbs. You get the drift. Now, as Dr. Lustig has mentioned uh, in his numerous publications, this is Robert Lustig I'm talking about. He's a neuroendocrinologist, and uh, before that, he's done his master's in nutrition, and uh, he's been advocating against uh, processed foods and sugars for a long time. Uh, the metabolic syndromes are 
just foodable and not druggable. It is the food which is going to modify those syndromes. Your medicines like insulin and all does not reach the cell levels and the mitochondria. I'll give you an example. I have a couple friend, uh, their husband, wife. I'll call them Laurel and Hardy as per their body types. So my friend who's Hardy, his HbA1c, which is basically indicative of uh, if you have diabetes or not. So in January 2022, uh, his HbA1c was 9.3. I put him on a diet, no medicines, no insulin. Uh, I didn't even put him on a diet. I basically changed the way uh, he was eating and what he was eating. And in July, his uh, HbA1c has gone down to 6.1. He's lost 6 kilos, uh, but uh, this is a drastic change. So diet modification and exercise is what I recommended to him. And uh, he's been doing uh, really well. And many years ago, before the development of insulin, the treatment of diabetes was just high fiber and high fat and low carb diets. And now you get carbs in almost everything and that to the worst kinds. Now, when I checked his wife's, who we'll call Laurel, and uh, Hardy's homocysteine levels, and this is a pro-thrombogenic protein, uh, basically, what that means is that the higher the homocysteine levels, uh, the more chances of you developing clots either in your legs or in your heart or in your lungs or in your brain. Uh, and uh, both of them had a high homocysteine levels. Means both of them were having a metabolic syndrome. Hardy was definitely having a metabolic syndrome because his HbA1c was also 9.3. But even his wife, Laurel, who was thin, who looks fit, had high homocysteine levels. So even the weight does not matter. Even non-obese people can have metabolic syndrome. The people I spoke about earlier, the patients I spoke about were not obese. But we asked the diets and not to our surprise, it was full of what we call junk food and a lot of which we never thought would even harm us. So a lot of people have been asking me, how, how do you check for your metabolic uh, health? So these are the tests that you need to do. Get your fasting sugars in your fasting insulin, fasting homocysteine levels, your fasting uric acid, HbA1c, fasting lipid profile, GGTP, SGOT, and SGPT. These last three ones also come in the liver profile. And if any one of them are deranged, you might be suffering from metabolic syndrome and need a change in your diet. Now the basic take home, I'm not going to go into a lot of details because there's a lot of research I've been researching for the past one year since I started uh, my journey from 18th of July 2021. Uh, even uh, today I'm doing a lot of research. So I'm not going to go into everything. You can do your own research. Also, I'm just, I'm just guiding you. Uh, so the take home is that one needs to stop all processed and packaged foods. They all have sugars and sugars are the most addictive substance on this planet, even more than cocaine. And they have been made more addictive by the processing done. You won't even realize it. No added sugars does not mean no sugar. There would be chemicals which behave like sugar. They go to your liver and cause fatty liver. And they give a signal to the pancreas that some sugar is coming. It releases insulin, but the insulin cannot break these sugars. And so that can lead to insulin resistance, which leads to metabolic syndromes. Read the ingredient labels and not just the macro labels. I'm going to go ahead, put my head out and make a controversial comment here. But veganism and vegetarianism do not provide the required saturated fats, omegas, iron, vitamin B12 and other micronutrients. Choose wisely. 
kids who have been put on a vegan diet in the US by the parents ended up with congestive heart failures because of lack of nutrition. Eat real foods which are nutrient dense. Eat fibers. Go to your local Jakiola and get jawar and bajra ka aata. Ditch the wheat. Eat free range meat and eggs. Eat uh, drink uh, free range milk. Also free range proteins if you want to have those uh, if you exercise a lot. Again, you need to exercise, but remember you cannot out exercise a bad diet. That's that was a mistake I I was making. And remember, it's not about the number of calories, but the quality of calories. Where is it coming from? It should preferably come from proteins and fats. You should definitely not come. It should definitely not come from processed foods. And you'll have a lot of dietitians and influencers saying that you can have uh, you can have Oreos or juices or cokes as long as it's in your calorie count for the day. That's absolute crap. They are hyper palatable foods which make you addicted to these food items themselves. They have fructose and chemicals in them which are making you sick from inside and you don't even realize it till one day you just drop. Remember, obesity is not the disease, it is just a symptom. The 20 years, 20 to 40 year olds, 50 year olds think nothing will happen to them since they are young. They could not be more wrong. Learn bystander, CPR, get your test done. Again, I'll repeat them. Fasting HbA1c, homocysteine, insulin, sugars, lipid profile, GGTP, SGOT, SGPT, and your uric acids. Rest of the tests you can get done, but these are the most important ones if you want to see if you're having a metabolic syndrome or not. Any derangement in any of them suggests metabolic syndromes. A huge shout out to Nikhil Prasad, a cousin and a close friend of mine for introducing me to the works of Dr. Robert Lustig. Like I mentioned before, he's a pediatric uh, neuroendocrinologist, but before he became a doctor, he did his, did his master's in nutrition and diets. And his work has been exemplary. And I've learned a lot through him. I've been through his research and uh, the papers that he's been talking about. There are about a thousand papers. No, I have not gone through all those uh, papers, but I have been doing my own research and been through some of the papers that he's written. And that is how this episode of the CEM project came to be. I understood that this young adult epidemic that I've been talking about is actually because of these metabolic disorders that people are having. Uh, I've started to guide my team, my emergency team, also to eat healthy, at least in the hospital. There is some resistance, but any realization of addiction begins with resistance. I'm pretty sure a lot of people who listen to this would be like, to hell with it. I'll still do what I want. I know of a lot of people who I have shown are absolutely unhealthy, as in their bodies are going to break down soon, but they choose not to listen. To them, I say, to each his own. But then there are some who have trusted me and choose to get healthy. Hats off to them. They've been putting in efforts and have been progressing towards getting healthy. You can also get in touch with me if you want more direction or you can go ahead and do your own research too and work things out for you. Some of the brands that I recommend that you try are the Whole Truth Foods, Terra Origin uh, for the way that I have. It's uh, grass-fed whey protein, eggs from farm-made foods, uh, Mish Artisan Bakery for their Jawar breads, your local Chakkiwala for your Jawar and Bajra Atta, uh, check out Healthify Me app. It's really, really nice. You can do your calorie counts if you really want to. Uh, they'll give you a lot of guides. There's this weighing scale called ActiveX, which actually has bioimpedance in it. It'll give you a whole uh, metabolic age and th your body composition. So that's really cool. Uh, just a disclaimer, I have not been sponsored by any of these brands. They don't even know I'm talking about them. 
right? Thank you for listening in. This is Ankur, and you've been listening to the DCEM Project, the Young Adult Epidemic 2.0. Have a healthy life. You owe it to yourself. If you have any questions, get in touch with me. And to quote Dr. Robert Lustig once more, prevention is not better than cure. Prevention is the cure.